And there she is. Wow. Wow. How do you get those nice intros? That was, that was something. I don't know. <laughs> How did it start? Okay, guys, that question didn't work. I thought that was going to break it open. <laughs> My people. You know, My people, yeah. yeah. Well, that was pretty neat. That I'd was. like to see that again. Can we see that again? It's a lot of page days there. There's a funky yeah, let, one at the end. Let, let's, let's roll that again, you know. <laughs>
learning accelerator. And the whole idea behind that is that the, the human brain, being the amazing thing that it is, can learn faster than we're programming it with our teaching. And so if we were to really study the learning process and, and do a lot of things right, like the, remember we talked about the 3DI instruction last time? If we do all of those things, well then the human brain can pick up information even faster. And wouldn't it be great if we could cover material twice as fast as in a normal school? That would be really amazing. Well, how much Acellus accelerates learning varies from student to student. And it varies a little bit from class to class. And there is a wonderful team developing ways to make all the classes uh, better. And, and that's exciting. So by offering a Acellus, we can accelerate learning and help students catch up. And wouldn't it be wonderful if, if you can learn faster, then one option is you could graduate when you're younger. And a lot of students are graduating younger because of the learning acceleration of, of Acellus. But another idea is, what about graduate wiser? Yes. What if you could learn more? Because in school, we learn a lot, but what we learn is just the tiniest tip of the iceberg to the knowledge that's there to learn. So we would like to accelerate learning and have students learn faster so that they can know more and so they can get done in a shorter period of time. So we offer a cellus to the schools, and a lot of schools are getting a cellus just so their students can catch back up, and that's wonderful. Now, um, many of you are actually studying at home, and a cellus is uh, a good thing when you study at home because instead of having to sit there, you know, a, a school day's long, mm -hmm. and being able to sit there at the computer all day long every day, to be able to stay up with your class? Well, with these new acceleration technologies, you're able to achieve your daily and your weekly goals without spending so much time. And that gives you more time to explore and do other things, which is neat. Mm -hmm. Okay? But let's, let's go back to these germs. When students come together in a classroom and they come in close contact, if they've been exposed to germs, and those germs are starting to, to infest their bodies, well then, they could be contagious. And that's why a lot of uh, people stayed home because we wanted to separate so that the germs didn't spread so well, okay? Well, what if we could still come to school, but we could fight those germs? And, you know, germs are, are things that divide with DNA and if you destroy the DNA, then they can't multiply and they can't spread. And so it's been discovered that ultraviolet light, shortwave ultraviolet light, kills germs by destroying the DNA strands inside them. And so we wanted to develop learning pods where you would be able to have a student sit there and do their studies and while they were doing them, the air that they're breathing in is nice and fresh. When they breathe it out, if there's any germs starting to grow inside them, remember, you become contagious before you often have any symptoms. 
But if they're breathing out germs, we'd like to have the acellus pod grab the germs and run them through germicidal lights and whack their DNA so that it doesn't spread. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That can be a really great thing. So we've started developing pods. Now, we've been making acellus stem pods for 10 years. And these stem pods are used in schools all over the country. There's thousands of them now, and schools really like them. But now we're talking about making a new stem pod that isn't a little robot. It isn't just for STEM. We're talking about making pods for history, another one for English, another one for science, for math, so that you'll have these pods in participating schools. You have them in all the classrooms. And that way, they should be able to prevent the exchange of so many germs. Now, it's not going to stop it dead. You need to realize that germs are germs. But if we can knock down the population of germs and control them, a lot less people are going to get sick. Our bodies are always exposed to germs. And some people get a real germ phobia. They're just terrified of germs. Well, there are germs everywhere. And the good news is that our bodies, which, of course, Tobias told us all about tonight, <laughs> uh, have these amazing immune system properties that fight the germs. And the only time we get sick is when the concentration, the number of germs that are infesting us, becomes greater than our immune systems can fight. And, you know, one of the great ways to be able to not get sick as often, everybody seems like we need to take our turn. How can we appreciate being healthy if we don't ever get sick? So we have to have our turn. But one of the ways we can really prevent the amount of, of times that we get sick and how sick we get when we get sick is how we, well we take care of ourselves. And in fighting a lot of these infections and things, eating good healthy foods, exercising and getting rest, three, and drinking plenty of, of water, even hydrogen water. Drinking water really helps our bodies stay healthy. That's a good thing to know. But I want to show you a video because we've built prototypes of these new pods. And we've got one for elementary. We've got one for middle school. Well, actually, we've got a few for middle school for the different subjects and a bunch for high school. And we showed these to the educators two weeks ago, and they were kind of excited about them. And so now... Uh, we're starting to build up the manufacturing capability to be able to build a lot of these new pods. They're not STEM pods, they're Acellus e-learning pods. And I made a little video kind of to show you these pods, but I want to introduce one other problem. And this is where we get down to our engineering challenge today. The problem is a thing called headphones. I, I'm not sure that Tobias has ever told us who invented headphones, <laughs> but they're neat. You can put a headphone on, and it sounds like you're right in the middle of the orchestra, and it's pretty wonderful, etc. But sometimes, in a school environment, where you go into a class, and then the bell rings, you go to your next class, some other student comes in, and they pick up the headphones you've been wearing, they put them on. <laughs> Have you been wearing these? 
Maybe. There's little things that can be passed <laughs> on. Like, can I share? Did you know there? Yeah, that you know people can share, not necessarily because they like to. One of the the problems that has plagued, I think, almost everybody at some time or another, is these little teeny critters called head lice. And you know why they call them head lice? Because they have heads. <laughs> and because they like to live in our hair. Yeah. And if you have head lice and you put on these headphones, then you take them off and she comes along later and she puts them on, then you're sharing. <laughs> you're welcome. <That's> sweet. <laughs> and so headphones are kind of a challenge that way. They really are a challenge. And there's more challenges with headphones. Uh, many, many, many times the teachers say they come into the STEM lab and the students have their headphones on the wire going like this. Yeah. And then the headphone goes <laughs> Not very well built, are they? <laughs> no, they're not really made for astrophysics. But so the the mission, and, and the other thing is they come in and they drop and they trip on them and it rips them off at the plug where they plug in. Mm. And so we have to just keep it out more and more and more. It's a problem. So our inventionary challenge would be let's eliminate headphones. <laughs> we tried that. Put a speaker in every computer and you go into the classroom and it sounds like everybody's talking at once. You hear all the other lessons going on and that doesn't work. So our challenge is to find something better. And so I have, working with others, conceived a little thing called a sound cannon. Mm. What if we could shoot a sound in a very narrow beam only from the computer right to a person's ears? And what if we could shoot it in a way that you couldn't hear? Mm. You say, what good would that do? It'd be pretty awesome. No, it, it wouldn't. Be. Not if they couldn't hear. Oh, But the point is, if you were to send out the sound at regular sound wave volume so they could hear it, the sound is, is normal sound frequency, and the waves don't go like a beam. They go like a, they spread in the whole room. They come out and they just go every direction. And so everybody can hear it. And that it's good if there's only one, but with all of the computers playing at the same time, it just becomes a big mesh. If we could send them out at a very high frequency, then the beam starts to be very directional, and we can send it just towards your ears. The problem is, once it hits your ears, you wouldn't hear anything, because it would be a frequency so high that not even dogs could hear it. They can hear a lot higher than we can. <coughs> But there's something kind of interesting that happens if you can impose the signal of a regular sound wave on top of a high-frequency ultrasound wave. You can't hear anything until it hits your ears. And then the waves interfere with each other, and you can hear sound. And interestingly... The theory, my hypothesis, my hope, is <laughs> that we can make it so just the students sitting right there in the front can hear and nobody else can. That's the goal. Now, to help me do this, I have a little gizmo, and I'm, I'm going to show you this up close in a minute. 
But this is an ultrasonic transducer, and it's actually a piezoelectric crystal, which remember we learned about how crystals vibrate and, and have properties. Well, these uh, vibrate and can give off sound at a frequency so high-pitched that we can't hear it. Now, the sound frequency I want for these little sound cannons is 40,000 hertz, or 40,000 cycles a second. Um, could you go ahead and give us maybe a 1,000 hertz <laughs> tone? 1,000 cycles a second. Let's hear what it sounds what like. What does it sound like? Tell me, then I'll Come repeat on. it. Give, it. give us a shot. Just a, you know, 1,000 cycles Let's a second. Go. Is it something about like, boop? Is it? Sound pretty good Ooh. to me. That's that's within ten thousand hertz. Oh, right on. It's like I really It's don't like know. I've got a clock in my in my room, uh -huh. and uh, I had someone come in the other day and says, you know, I think the batteries are dead in your clock, and I says, no, it's still right on time. They look and said, no, it's not. It's four hours off, and I said, no, it's right on time, twice a day. You just got to know when to look at it. <laughs> that was correct. Anyway. <laughs> So that's about a thousand hertz, okay. and then it. if we were to go down to oh, let's say three hundred hertz, that'd be like oh, uh, those are guesses. That's pretty close, so it's lower. Mm -hmm. And if you went up to ten thousand hertz, it'd be a squeaky sound so high you can say that's as high as we can hear. But most people can hear clear up past twelve thousand. When you start getting 12,000, you start moving them towards 15, then, then people start not being able to hear it. And by 22,000, pretty much no human can hear it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to run it at 40, mm -hmm. 40,000. And you know, it gets up in the range where dog whistles work because they, they're above our hearing. Some mm -hmm. of those are up around 28, 30,000 cycles a second. I want to be up at 40,000. Now, there are, I, bats can hear, I think, at 40,000. Um, I asked a bat once. He did? <laughs> but when say. he answered with such high frequency, I couldn't hear what he said. <laughs> but anyway, so this little transducer can send out a wave. And it's, it's possible to send a signal to it so it goes out right at 40,000 hertz. And if you have bad ears, you can hear that. But that wouldn't do any good. So what I want to do is I want to modulate that sound with the sound of the teacher talking, which is a much lower frequency. And what I want to do then is I want to just kind of shift the frequency. That's what happens in an FM radio. We call it frequency modulation. And what happens is the frequency of the radio changes according to the sound, and, and so we're able to tune it in here. Well, I want to do that with these, but I want to do it at 40,000 hertz. So I'm now going to uh, show you the circuit that I made to be able to create my 40,000 hertz. Take a look at this. Can you see this? Here is my circuit. I'm going to point right in the middle of it, right there. Can you see that little chip? This is a little chip in between my fingers that has eight pins, four come out each side. Mm -hmm. This chip, for those of you who are electronically inclined, is called a 555. Five, five. <laughs> you know, like high five, high five, high five, yeah, 555. Five, <laughs> five. And it's called a timer. 
and it's a chip that puts out a pulse at a regular interval. I've used 555 timers for many projects over the years. It's a neat chip to know. Chips all have personalities, and as you learn their personalities, you can put them to work. In this case, I want to use that chip to create an output of 40,000 cycles a second, 40,000 pulses a second. The way you do that with a 555 is you use <clears throat> one of those, which is a resistor, and one of those, which is a capacitor. And that little piece of land is nothing. He's not even part of the program here. What kind of, is this yours? All right, now where was I? Back to these. Okay, so this resistor happens to be a carbon resistor. So when electricity comes in one wire and tries to go through here, it's resisted because it has to go through carbon. And carbon, unlike copper or gold or silver or something like that, copper, I mean carbon, resists the flow of electrons. And how much it resists the flow depends on how it's built. Now you'll notice that this resistor has this little color coding and you can, you can read that coding to find out just how much resistance this has. Now the other little part here is a capacitor. And a capacitor is really uh, two plates of metal, two conductors, that are spaced apart a certain amount so that you can push electrons onto one plate and they build up like a voltage and the other plate they don't jump to because there's an insulator in between. And so you can build up all of this accumulation of electrons on a plate and then you can drain them back away over the wire going in and coming out. So what happens in the 555 timer is we have one of these capacitors and we, we have voltage coming in through a resistor. The resistor says how fast electrons can flow through it to the plate. And the plate then decides how long it takes to get charged up by how big the plate is. A bigger one takes longer with that flow of electrons. Remember we can think of electrons kind of like the flow of water. If you're filling a one gallon picture and you have a hose, that puts out one gallon a minute, the picture will be full in one minute. But if you get a 50 gallon barrel and fill it with the same hose, it's gonna take a lot longer than one minute. It's gonna take 50 minutes to fill it. And it's that way with electrons. How fast the electrons are flowing is determined by the voltage, which is the pressure pushing on them, and by the resistor that they have to go through. So the resistor's like a valve, only this valve is one that you can't adjust. There are variable resistors. You can change the resistance. That's what we do on volume controls on radios and things, okay? And so they charge up this plate. Well, in the 555, we have a resistor and a capacitor, and it charges up the capacitor, and then the 555, when it gets up to a certain voltage, it turns off, and so it discharges the capacitor. And then it charges it, discharges, charges and discharges it. And so it turns out that if you change the resistance, it changes how fast it charges. So the frequency changes. So by putting on different resistors, you can get different frequencies. And you can do the same by changing capacitors. If you use a big plate, it's gonna take more electrons to charge up. 
a giant play would take forever. A smaller one would be faster. Just so happens that my little capacitor here is um, 100 picofarads. We, we keep track of capacitance in ferrets. And pico is a very, 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 very small fraction of a ferret. So it's, it's got very, very little capacitance. But that's what I had was 100 picofarads. So I put my 100 picofarads capacitor in my circuit. I'm going to go back and see if you can see this. If you look right in here, you can see that little capacitor. Can you see it right there? So it's stuck down the circuit. And by the way, this whiteboard is called a breadboard. <laughs> and you can see we've got all these nice little wires that have little bare ends on them so I can stick them into the holes and I can wire things up to make a test circuit. So this is a breadboard circuit. This is what inventioners use all the time to try out a circuit. So I set it up, I tried it out, and powered it up, and then to see if it was working, I hooked it up to my oscilloscope. Now remember, oscilloscope is something that shows you a TV screen of the voltage going up and down, up and down, up and down, and if, if it goes up faster, then the pulses are closer together. And so when I measured the frequency coming out of my 555, it was 31. 0.5 kilohertz, and I need 40, so it didn't work. So I have a big kit of capacitors. I've got every single value of capacitor <laughs> you can imagine. So I opened my big kit, and I went through, and I found the next larger one, and it happened to be 100 picofarads. So I put it in, and the frequency jumped just like I expected it to. It jumped from... 31 and a half up to 68,000 hertz. <laughs> and there was, there was no part in between. Now I could change the resistor a little bit, but I decided what I really need is I need a capacitor that's 150 picofarads. I went through all of the parts I have, nothing to be seen. So that's when the optimism curve fell to the bottom. <laughs> and I had to go online and order a 150 picofarad capacitor. Now, capacitors only cost like 10 cents. They're not very expensive. However, I had to buy a $25 set <laughs> to get one of them in it. And it should be here <clears throat> by Friday. That's how inventioneering goes, doesn't it? You go from challenge to challenge to challenge. But when I get that part, I will put it in. Now, after the frequency gets to 40 kilohertz, then I have a signal. And if you can see the color, see this blue wire? Well, coming out of pin number five, you have to get the right pins. How do I know that it's pin five? Well, I went to the internet and I got a diagram for the 555. And they're made by a lot of different people, but all of them hook the output of the 555 to pin five. <laughs> and so you know which pin's which. And so pin five, I plugged in my blue wire 
and I ran it over to this guy. Now this guy is a motor driver. This is like you'd use on a robot to turn a motor on and off, to move an arm or do something like that. You say, well, where's the arm? <laughs> well, in this case, I'm not moving an arm, but do you remember when I, I told you about these piezoelectric transducers? By the way, this one says T. Can you see that T on there? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. I can. That stands for transmitter, because you can have these be transmitters, and then there's another one that's a receiver. If I fire one of these up with a transmitter, and then I have a receiver over here, and I send the ultrasonic wave over to a wall or something, and then it bounces back. By seeing how long it takes it to travel, I can actually measure how far it is. And if some of you have had these uh, little distance measuring devices, this is probably how they work. They have a transmitter sending out a beam, and they have a receiver coming back, and the circuit times how long it takes and tells you how far away, how far it had to go, right? Well, this is the transmitter. But the problem is, these transmitters take quite a bit of voltage. The 555 puts out a voltage of 5 volts. That's what its electronics are made for. So if I bring 5 volts out from the 555 and run it into this device, no work. No can work. No can work. No can, no work. can do. I can't say good English because... No can do, because <laughs> no can hear my lesson, okay? So I've got a problem now, optimism curb in the basement, because five volts won't drive these. How much do these want? Hmm. Selfish, that's what they are. At least 12 volts, but you know, maybe 25, maybe 35. They like lots of volts, because we're making this crystal vibrate. So. How are we going to get 25 volts out of a 555? And the answer is real simple. We are not going to get it. <laughs> it just it's won't just happen. Like so this blue wire carries the signal of 25 hertz out and over and into the second chip, which is the motor controller. And actually, this is a 16-pin uh, circuit. So it's got 16 wires come out, eight on one side, eight on the other. And it has a little mark on the top that tells you where the top is. And on the left side here, starts with pin one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 16 on the other side. Again, you get the diagram to see which pin is which. And on this particular thing, it turns out that pin two is the input of one of the amplifiers. It has four amplifiers in there. I'm only using one, because I only need one, okay? When I actually make the things, though, I'm gonna need two. So I'll look out the pin for one of the other amplifiers. So how's an amplifier work? You put in a five volt signal, and then you get out a high voltage signal. And it's a solid state, a transistor, basically, that turns on and off. And the five volts goes to the gate to switch it on and off. And so then you can get a high voltage and even a high current, higher er current through these. If we need a real high current, I would have to have a power transistor, which looks a little bit, I don't know how well you can see this. It looks like this guy. That, it's got three prongs on the bottom. Can you see this little thing? This particular 
power transistor is not a power transistor. It acts, this one happens to be a voltage regulator, which is like a power transistor. And it's big and it's got a big heat sink on there so you can bolt it onto a piece of metal because they really get hot, they control a lot of power. I'm using this to bring 12 volts in and then it outputs five volts to run my 555 and I've got the 12 volts to run my high power circuit, okay, so that I only need one voltage. That makes sense? So I'm breadboarding this up and I'm here to tell you that uh, here's, here's my transducer on the end of the wire and I did actually send out a signal and at first it was uh, <clears throat> 30, around 30,000 hertz, which is too slow. I need 40. And then it was too high. When it was so high, I couldn't even measure it. It was so high, except I can measure going into it. So I know it was 68. It was trying to go 68,000. Mm -hmm. I don't think this little piezoelectric crystal can go that fast. Mm -hmm. At least it didn't seem to be going that fast when I tried to measure it. So... That's why I'm at the bottom of the optimism curve. <laughs> yeah, but you've got it all figured out to start going up. Well, that's why I've come here to get some social. <laughs> yeah? Could you please heal my spirits? I can. Okay. I have designed a new social pod. You know, you have math and science. I was thinking, wait now a minute. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> a new social pod? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm you ready. sit in there. I'm ready for this. There's lots of things that go on. And you sit in there? Yeah. What happens? You hear tones and sounds, and you get lessons, and you have lights, and <laughs> makes you feel Sounds better like a finished. holiday. Yeah. <laughs> you get lights. And mm -hmm. like, yeah. Are you serious? Yes, I was actually designing this while you were talking about all the academic pods. <laughs> you know, um, I hesitate to say this, but I'm glad she said that. Oh, yeah? Okay, yeah, because she's illustrating a point. Didn't mean to. The genius that has blessed our planet with innovation after innovation after innovation very often is triggered by other genius. So you get a good idea. Quite often, the person that came up with the idea and started working on it and shared with his friends what he was doing or she was doing triggered someone else to actually go out and do something that did work. Mm -hmm. And very, very often when we see real greatness come out of people, it's because they are inspired by someone else. And quite often, the person that inspires them may not even be their friend. Maybe their competitor. That's true. But this is That's definitely true. true in science and invention. It's also true in art and music. Some of the great masters in music really were motivated because the competing composer was doing so well, and that made us rise up and do our best. Friendly competition is really a wonderful thing. In science... Collaboration is a key to success. If, if you take something like, oh, a football game. We don't do much football in Kansas City. No. <laughs> we were red, though. Except in the fall. <laughs> yeah, it's, wait for it, wait for it. But, but we don't. But can you imagine 
even a really, really, really outstanding quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, right here from Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> but can you imagine him going up against an opposing team, but when the game started, none of the other players on his team showed up. It's just oh. him. And he's amazing. What he can't do. I mean, that guy is absolutely amazing. But what if he got ready to start a play and he, he's ready for someone to hike the ball, but there's no one to hike it? He can't run with it. He can't pass it. He can't even get it. So I guess what he'd have to do is he'd have to go over and hike it up in the air, run back, catch it. <laughs> a team, a team is a key. And one thing about Mr. Mahomes, if you watch him, he's had these amazing victories and he always just shoots the credit out to his, his other team players. Mm -hmm. I really like that about him. But that is how you succeed in science too, is you learn to collaborate and work as teams. And I think that's why I think every scientist Every inventioneer should take some social <laughs> so we learn to get along. And you see, I was trying to solve this problem so the kids will be able to hear what the teacher's saying, and she was off inventing a new holiday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it felt like a holiday. They feel better after they went through that little moment. <laughs> we could call it Pejeoween. <laughs> a wing or wing for the I think the wing. A wing. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's 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 like the day after turkey. <laughs> okay. Well, at any rate. So the optimism curve has has me down. I'm pinned down today. And I'm planning to come back next time and tell you that I've got my one hundred and fifty picofarad capacitor and I put it in there and the 555 then I tune into exactly 40,000 hertz and then I'm going to put the music in and by the way I can I can put the music or, or the talking in the music the the audible sound into the 555 into the control side of it so it will modulate the signal in other words it'll shift the frequency and when that frequency, which is kind of shifting, comes up through air and hits your ear and bounces, those sound waves are going to fight each other. And my theory, my hypothesis is you will be able to hear audible sound. So with this little, little transmitter, I should be able to point it towards you and you can hear it, and if you move your head just a little teeny bit either way, the sound disappears. I'm so excited. No more headphones, this. no more flying objects, <laughs> um, <clears throat> no more head lice or, or whatever else. But I also think students will be able to just really be relaxed. It's, it's kind of confining to have to wear the headphones. The reason I don't like them, well, maybe I won't go into this. <laughs> Is it that bad? Well, look, we're out of time. We have three minutes. Hmm. Whose side are you on? on okay. Side. Okay. Well, <laughs> the reason I don't like the headphones—they mess up my hair. Oh my god! <laughs> you know there are some people like that. 
Who? I like the wind. This is not a confessional. Okay, thank okay. you. I'll leave that right there. Okay. True confession. She doesn't like her hair messed up either. Could that be my motivation to these? I don't know. No. But I would like to uh, to just show you this little clip of these pods and what we plan to do. Okay, so these are the new Acelacy Learning Pods. And we're going to manufacture these and send them to schools all over the nation. The new pods are different in that they have this germicidal light in, in the corner. This is a germicidal ultraviolet light and so it pulls air in these holes when the student is here working and as it comes up through the light, all the bacteria and things, well they, let me see if I can pull this in here. So this thing pulls out so you can change the light when you need to. But the part I want to talk about today is the sound cannons. Now I'm going to move the screen from down here up to about right there so that students don't have to look down. They can look up right into the screen. And on both sides of the screen is where I'm going to install these little sound cannons. And the sound cannons will shoot out from there so that only the students sitting right here will be able to hear it. That's going to be so neat. Not tonight. <laughs> yeah, you're pinned down, but you're kicking, I can tell. <laughs> I'll be better by next time, because uh -oh. I'm going to be, I'm going to go take social. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See you. <laughs>